I'm Paul Sutton, and this is Digital Download, the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media, and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. Public relations is at a crossroads. Years of failing to adequately address the measurement issue, ignoring disciplines such as SEO and social media advertising, and a steadfast refusal to see the viewpoint of executives that think PR is a tactical function, not a strategic discipline, have created a position where the industry is in serious danger of being absorbed into marketing once and for all. And the COVID-19 pandemic has accelerated the decline. Now, many have tried to steer the ship to safer waters. In the UK, the likes of Stephen Waddington and Sarah Hall drove the agenda of transformation hard in their tenures as CIPR presidents. But ultimately, progress among the masses has been torturously slow. In the latest CIPR State of the Profession report, the attributes people claim as being their strongest are strategic thinking, research, planning and evaluation. But when you look at what they actually do, it's still largely copywriting and media relations. Now, something doesn't quite add up here. It doesn't matter how much the industry claims it thinks strategically, if most of what it does is tactical in nature. And all the while that's the case, nothing will change. In her latest blog post, today's guest Ginny Dietrich says that a lot of PR professionals are doggy paddling in a sea of rough expectations. She asserts that now is the time to take control and ask for forgiveness when it comes to transforming what you do, instead of asking for permission. It's time to either force the issue or accept the inevitable slow death of the PR industry. Ginny is one of those professionals who has done her utmost to drive change. As if to illustrate her forward-thinking nature, she was also one of the very first to take the threat of the coronavirus seriously from a business perspective. Her husband works in politics, and it was January when what he was telling her started to make her think about the potential impact of the industry. I remember vividly him, you know, before all of this, he was traveling five days a week and he had just gotten home from a trip and we were standing in the kitchen. And he said to me, I think this coronavirus might be something serious. Now, that was at the start of the year. But after observing what was happening in China, Ginny started to look into preemptive measures for her business in the middle of February. Those preemptive measures included laying off some of her staff, which Ginny says meant she could provide a long severance period. For most of the rest of us, things didn't get real until the middle of March, and Ginny echoes this. In common with many other agencies, she tells me that Armand Dietrich lost 80% of their business at the end of March. She says that the way the business is structured around online courses as well as agency business is what has saved it. The business has been diversifying for 10 years after the global financial crisis, adding additional revenue streams in the form of coaching and membership and courses. It was a lesson Ginny says she learned from the last recession. I asked her whether everything that's happened this year has led to her re-evaluating the business in terms of what it means to her. I think this has been, and not just for me, I I think you would probably agree with this, and I think many people would agree with this, this becomes sort of a pause um, where we all have been able to take a collective look at, you know, what we're doing. I was talking to a girlfriend last week who said, you know, it's hard for me to believe that just four months ago I was getting on a plane every week and traveling and working, you know, 80, 90 hours a week and going at full speed. And now 
She's like, I'm able to focus. I can think. We eat dinner as a family every night. Like it feels like we're getting back to the things that are important and that maybe we won't go back to working 100 hours a week and going, you know, 90 miles an hour. And what are the implications for the business to you of that? Because I agree with you and I'm thinking the same way. I think a lot of people are. You don't, you've had time to just think about life, really. Right. But it, it, as as someone who runs a business, if you're saying, do you know what, maybe life doesn't need to be like that, what, what effect does that have on, on your business? Um, I think it does a couple of things for me in particular, my business in particular. I probably will go from having employees to building a contractor network um, okay. and only taking the business that I want. You know, in the past, we... We would take business because it fit our team's core expertise and they had budget and, you know, it would fit all those things, but maybe not necessarily work that we enjoyed. And I've really taken stock in, in the work that I personally enjoy. And maybe that means we only have one or two clients a year and that's it on the agency side. But then I use contractors to, that I, you know, people I really want to work with. Yep. to execute the work and implement and get results and not have to worry about one-to-one meetings and staff meetings and HR policies and bleh, that I don't love. I don't like that stuff. I don't, I don't, I want to hire really smart people who don't need to be micromanaged, who can do their job and d- deliver when they say they're going to deliver. It, what you're describing is really that, that thing you hear where people set up a, an agency or a business of some kind and end up running an agency not doing the thing that they set the business up to do correct um i mean that i was cognizant of that when i set myself up as a consultant it was for exactly that reason i thought i don't want to run an agency i just want to do what i love doing so great and bring in really smart people on the stuff that needs to be done but not necessarily that you need to do it yeah absolutely so it sounds like you're coming around to a very different type of business model then going forward Maybe. Um, certainly on the spin sucks side, we're going to continue to push that forward. You know, one of the things I looked at is what assets do we have? Um, and, you know, the agency is not an asset right now because there's no business. But we, you know, we have an asset with spin sucks. We have an asset with the peso model. Um, and we have an asset with all that curriculum that we've built around the peso model. So that's going to be the focus. And, you know, if that means that we get to implement the peso model for two really sophisticated, um, big brands in a year. Great. I'd love to do that. And that's it. Going back a few weeks, Ginny wrote an article that got my interest. It was a piece that questioned whether the public relations industry will even exist once the COVID-19 pandemic and its effects are over. The conclusion that she came to was that no, it will not. She explains that the University of Southern California does a study every year that looks at where PR lies in the marketing mix. Does it report to the CEO? Does it have its own line of command and have a strategic seat? Or does it report into marketing? What the study has shown year after year after year is that marketing continues to own every media type except earned, Mm -hmm. which is a problem. And PR is no longer reporting directly into the C-suite. They're reporting under marketing. And that's not, it's not 100%. It's, it's the majority from the perspective that it's closer to 60%. Um, but that, that trend continues. And we see that year after year after year and that the percentage continues to increase. So it, it's not something that I just made up out of my head and was like, oh, I don't <laughs> think this is going to exist. I'm looking at the data and the data is telling us 
that unless something drastic changes, we we will be a tactic under marketing. What I've seen, literally the last week or so, there was a big discussion on Twitter around this as well, where someone had posed the question of who PR should report to. And mm -hmm. the, the biggest outcome was, like you said, it, it was into marketing, not into the CEO. And there was a big uproar around this because all, all of the core traditional PR people are saying, what a load of rubbish. We always report to the, the CEO and, the, you know, you're saying actually, no, not anymore. You might have at one time, but not anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly what the data is pointing to. I mean, I'm I'm in at an advantage that I will not work with a, a business if I have to report to to marketing. I just won't. If I'm not reporting to directly to the C-suite, then I'm we. That is a red flag for us. We will probably turn the business away. From, so, but I also have an advantage that I can do that. Most yeah. agencies don't have that advantage or they don't have a leader who feels as strongly about it as I do that they would turn <laughs> business away. Um, so I do, I do, the data does definitely does show that. And, you know, I have conversations with communicators who want to evolve their careers and they keep saying, but I don't have time in time of years to learn paid and shared and owned. And like I had a conversation with a young woman yesterday and I said, but you don't, have to become an expert in those things. You just have to understand if your core expertise is content, you have to understand how that's going to work with the other media types. And when those media types overlap, the work that you're doing, how it affects search engine optimization and how it affects your earned media and how it affects link backs and how it affects email marketing. Like you have to understand, you have to have enough knowledge to understand how the discipline that you're really good at translates to the other media types. You don't have to be the one to execute it, but you have to understand how you fit into that puzzle. And too many of us, as the USC study shows, are still focused on earned media. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, essentially, there, there's, in, in a sense, there's nothing new about what we're saying here. Because, no. you know, you and I have been saying this for Years. so long. And, and lots yes. of other people, absolutely. Yes. Um, but I do still believe that those people who do regularly beat that drum are still in kind of a minority. And, you know, I get the sense that yes. when I say things like this, you know, it's like, oh, well, there's Paul being a drama queen again. And, you know, I still get the sense that I am in a minority, even if that includes you. Oh, I for, for sure feel that way. I mean, I, I feel like... We are pushing a boulder up Mount Everest. That's how I feel. Right. And it, it's getting to the point where it's like, is it worth it? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, what struck me about the article that you wrote, and the reason I picked up on it particularly, was because, I mean, I've known you for years. And like I said, I, I know you think this way. I know, I know we think very similarly on this. But when I've read that article, and then when I emailed you afterwards as well, what really struck me was was that sense, as you described then, of just, I've, I've had enough of this. I've given up. I've done everything I can for you people, and I don't know what else to do. And it <laughs> felt like, just reading between the lines, a massive sense of frustration coming off you. And and I suppose for Ginny Dietrich, the, the, the staunch PR person, to be saying, 
PR's not going to exist anymore. If this isn't this isn't you being dramatic, is it? This is something you genuinely believe that in three years, five years, whatever it is, a short amount of time, public relations will not exist as a standalone discipline. I, I truly believe that, yes. And and quite honestly, the criticism that I get is it's a bit overwhelming sometimes. And I was at a point at that point that I was just like, listen, I've I mean, to your point, we've been saying this for years. And I don't know if this crisis is the one that's going to help people realize that the industry is in trouble. Maybe, maybe not. But I will tell you that one of the things that I've been focused on is, um, especially this year, is getting the PESO model curriculum into undergrad and graduate programs, communications programs across the country. And my goal is that every person who graduates with a communications degree has peso model training. So there will be there will be young professionals coming into this world who have communications degrees, but it won't be communications of old and it won't be quote unquote PR because we we have defined for some reason executives, the industry, everybody's defined PR as media relations. Mm-hmm. If we can get young professionals to be more integrated and have a, a bigger skill set, I don't say I don't think the PR industry will completely dissolve because there will be people who have communications degrees, but they probably will go into corporations or agencies that are marketing focused and bring their PESA model training into that. I read just recently a survey, and it'll be a survey of it was about two hundred PR executives. I I can't remember where what who, who ran the survey, which is a shame. But anyway, in this survey, eighty eight percent of these two hundred PR execs said that they see the industry rebounding back to normal after the pandemic. What's your response to that? Eighty eight percent. Eighty eight percent. Yeah. Huh. Like I said, we're in a minority, right? We are in a minority. I wouldn't. Hmm. I'd be curious to understand how it was posed. The question was questions were posed, and what kind of data is behind it? Because nothing in the last five years points to that. Any data points to that. Nothing. So I don't know if that's pure optimism. Yes, possibly. If it's a survey and they've asked 200 PR people, I mean, I was stunned by the 88%, but it doesn't surprise me in a way that, like you say, there is optimism because I would call it blind optimism. I think a lot of people are very, they just don't see the bigger picture. Right. So maybe that's where that figure comes from. I, I, I don't know. But I was surprised as surprised by it as, as you are. That stat goes completely against what we're talking about today. Correct. Yes. And I know which side I'm on. <laughs> and I'm on the same side. Ginny and I are in agreement that if nine out of ten people think that the industry is healthy and will rebound effectively, nine out of ten PR people need to wake up and smell the coffee. But we agreed to move on. I asked Ginny if we assume that her premise is correct. And in three to five years' time, public relations is absorbed into marketing. Will the term PR and the job titles associated with it even exist anymore? I think it depends. Um, you know, there are, I'm seeing right now there are some very forward-thinking and innovative companies that have what you would traditionally call the PR, a PR department, but they call them things like 
brand stewards. So it may very well be that you have content specialists and you have paid media specialists and you have social specialists and you have email marketing specialists and then you have media relations or earned media or whatever you want to call it that includes influencer relations and investors and all and bloggers and all of that. But and maybe that's what they call PR, but it's not it's only it's just that one little sliver and it's not an a strategic communications role. No, which is the interesting thing and that's what's been pushed well certainly in the UK heavily over the last two or three years is PR as a strategic management function. Right. Which, you know, I think we we all agree with, but it's clearly not happening, is it? No, it's not. It's not. And I think there there are a couple of reasons for that, in my opinion. One is that as an industry, we have not done a good job of defining real metrics. And, you know, people will say, well, there's value behind brand awareness and market share and all those kinds of things. And I agree. Very hard to measure those things. And an executive, especially today, does not care. They want to know how the work that you're doing directly translates to sales or whatever the business outcome is. They they want to know that. If you can't demonstrate that, then they don't they have no need for you. And they may regret that later because you know brand awareness and market share may drop, but there's not a direct correlation. So that's number one. Number two is that typically a communicator does not have PL responsibility. And because of that, and because many, many, many PR people say that they went into PR because they can't do math. <laughs> <laughs> they don't understand how an organ truly understand how an organization makes money. And if you don't truly understand how an organization makes it money, makes its money, you cannot figure out a way to correlate the work that you're doing directly back to results, to those kinds of results. And I mm. think those are the two biggest challenges that as an industry we have. Now, certainly there are outliers and people who can, you know, all of those things, but generally speaking, those are very, very big challenges. And until we figure those two two things out, and certainly we're not going to get PL responsibility if we're if we don't have a strategic role. We just won't. So you have to figure out we we as an industry have to figure out how do we measure results direct that are directly correlated to business. And then once we do that, we will be seen as a strategic partner in the growth of the business. But let's face it, I mean, that's not going to happen, is it? No. <laughs> I know I'm being harsh there, but... No, it's not. Again, this this has been talked about for 10 years at least. At least. Yeah, and it's, it's not going I to... I well, I don't believe it's ever going to happen. What I'm seeing now is certainly in the UK, you're getting this sort of new model of agency popping up, which isn't PR. They don't call themselves PR, really. It's not really SEO. It's kind of this hybrid thing. And they do a bit of that and they do some advertising, but it's a very sort of holistic communications business model, I think is the way to put it. They're the people that actually do put this sort of numbers thing first mm -hmm. because they can, because and they, they, can. they set themselves up to measure that. They right. don't, they don't come at it with a, a PR mindset. They come at it from a, what do we need to achieve? What are the numbers? How do yes. we, how do we get there? Yes. And, and again, I, I guess in, in those sorts of hybrid models, the, the agencies that I'm seeing coming up now, they don't actually give a crap whether they're called PR or marketing no. or comms or whatever it is. No. They don't care they don't as care. long as they're yep. doing good work. Yep. And that's a downfall that I see of the PR industry is that PR really does care about what it's called. And 
it suffers because of that, in my view. That's really interesting. I mean, you don't care, do you? No, no, no. I, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care I, I, from from day one of setting up as a consultant. I've called myself. I still flex my my job title, if you like, depending on whatever the brief might be or whatever the client might be. Right, right. I, I don't care what they call me. I just want to do a good job for them. Yep. But I, I, I guess leading on from that, really, it, it feels. I've said this before. That it feels to me like PR people come at a brief from a from a PR mindset. Sure. Yeah, I would agree you with know. that. I totally agree with that. Yeah, and 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 they don't think of. I don't know, it's advertising, for example. I'll, I'll give you an example. I've got a working example at the moment. I was approached by a, a small company only only two or three weeks ago. And the boss came to me and said, right, we need some some online PR is what she was talking about. But when, when I looked at what it is she wants to achieve, which is about uh, getting downloads of a uh, of a white paper, which is effectively a league magnet, as mm-hmm. you and I know it, mm-hmm. The easiest, cheapest way of doing that was advertising. It's sure. nothing to do with with PR, which would have taken time and money. Right. <laughs> Let's just throw some ads at it. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. a traditional PR person would would not. I'm speaking broadly, but would not have taken that view on it. They'd have gone right. So let's. What's your story, and how can we build that, and what media we need to get into? Right. And that's the way they'd have come at this, right? Yes. Um, it's interesting you say that because, like you, I was asked in December to join a board as the, um, they, they needed somebody with, with communications expertise, both from, you know, to, to manage reputation and crisis, but also to help grow the business. And they keep saying to me, well, when are we going to do PR? Because what we've been focused on is, you know, the kinds of things that are going to build the business and help them reach their goals. And we haven't, we haven't even introduced media relations yet. And they keep yep. saying, well, you're a PR person. When are you going to introduce PR? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> we will. But right now we're going to focus on these things because they are going to help you reach your goals. It's pretty funny. So there's definitely that. I mean, I often joke that there must be some school that executives go to that none of us know about and it's very secret. And in that school, they teach them that if they spend, you know, five to $10,000 a month on PR and they get in the New York Times or they get in the Guardian, all of their problems are going to be solved and they're going to be the next Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> that that j- literally, and it's not an embellishment. Like people really believe this. And it's, so there's a lot of re-education and changing that mindset with the work that we do. And I think that's a big challenge for us too, because marketing doesn't have a mindset challenge. They don't have an awareness challenge. They, people, people hire marketers because they know what they do, right? They hire us and they think, well, just make a phone call and get me in the guardian and much trouble to be solved. And you're like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) And that, that mindset about, about the value of, of earned media, really uh, that still exists within PR in the, in the, for sure. Yeah, everyone thinks that earned media is so much more valuable. Yes. I I don't know. (laughs) Really, not nowadays. It's something that I don't believe anymore. And, 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 you know, a lot of CEOs, they don't care. They don't don't care. care. They just want want the results, you know? Yes, they want results. They don't care what it is that you do. If it's Facebook ads or if it's getting them in the New York Times, if it gets them results, they don't care. Over the last few months, communications has come into the spotlight because brands wanted to stay in the mind of consumers, but didn't want to advertise or to be seen to be actively marketing. Now, there's a popular school of thought circulating that PR has proved itself now, 
and earned that seat at the boardroom table. This is something that, quite simply, I don't buy into. Once we pass through the initial phase and companies need to start selling again, whether that's in two months or two years, PR will take a backseat once again. That is the case. I mean, just from my own experience, we have two clients right now that we have signed in the last two weeks that are in the midst of crisis, which is great. It's profitable. It's, I mean, it's hard work. Certainly I'm working 24 seven right now, but um, it's not, that doesn't last. It's because of the environment that we're in that these two companies are in the middle of these crises. It's not because this is something that's going to go on forever. And so, you know, I mean, we're looking at 90 days tops, tops, right? And then we go back to normal. And yeah, I'm reporting into the CEO on that. I talk to him at least five times every single day. I talk to in-house counsel every single day. That's not going to last. That business, once we pull the trigger on the reputation management plan and we send them on their way and then they go on and they go back to selling, selling what they're, you know, doing what they do. So yeah, I think that right now is a good time to, to, tout our services and get paid some good money for it, but it's not going to last. It's not. No, I mean, I, I kind of agree. That's the way I see it as well. Do you think that the whole um, argument about we're the, we're the brand guardians and reputation guardians and all that sort of stuff, do you think that still holds weight, that argument? I think it does from a communications perspective, from a communicator's okay. perspective, because we do, we do, we are, but that's, and, and certainly a sophisticated executive understands that, but he or she is not going to spend a ton of money every month on a retainer t- to have somebody manage their reputation or their brand. They're just not. Mm. That's why I think it's important to bring in other skill sets or you know other types of tools from our toolbox that will allow us to be the reputation and brand stewards, but also do the things that get results. So with that new client you mentioned, perhaps mm-hmm. you are, you are, you know, paying attention and watching and, and, you know, certainly you're probably paying attention to what's happening online and what conversations yep. are entering and all that. And if you see something that is alarming or that needs to shift, you would then as a reputation expert say, we need to do this. But in the meantime, you're creating ads that drive downloads of the white paper yeah absolutely you're right for me it is almost a background job i suppose which which comes from your training as a communications person as a pr person is is your mind still thinks that way but i'm no longer doing that job on a proactive level if that makes sense yes it totally makes sense so what, what do you think the likes of the professional bodies in in the uk and the us are make of this thinking that PRs kind of on borrowed time. Do you think they're, I mean, are they sitting there with a finger is in their ears going, la, 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 no, it's not true, it's not true? Or do you think they're actually facing up to this now and, and I don't know, accepting it, trying to do something about it? My opinion's the former, but what do you think? I agree. I don't see them, no, I don't see them standing up and looking at the future at all. I, the challenge, at least with PRSA, I don't know the your, your organization as well, but- yeah. It's a membership organization. And so they are there to serve the, the members. And the members, as we've just discussed, are asking for things like, how do I handle a crisis? Or what if somebody's saying something nasty on social? How do we handle that? What do we do about reviews? Those are the kinds of things that they're focused on, and they're not focused on the future of the industry. And I don't know if it's fair to ask them to do that. I, 
I feel like it is, but their their perspective is we are a membership organization. We're not re- regulatory. We're not lobbying. We're not, you know, change for good or anything like that. We are here to serve the members who pay our fees. Now, if you're listening to this show and haven't come across Ginny Dietrich before, whether it's through her blog or her books or podcasts, well, you need to get out more. One of the most respected and well-known PR thought leaders in the US and the UK, she's been a driving force behind the industry for many years. And that's one of the major reasons her article caught my eye in the first place. So I asked her, have you, Ginny Dietrich, renowned publications blogger, author, speaker, have you totally given up on public relations now? Oh, no. I mean, I I say to people all the time, I'm a communicator by trade. I am. That's, you know, it's how I grew up. And that's what I consider myself. And people will, I mean, you even said to me, but you're a digital marketer or you're, you know, whatever, whatever title they want to put on it, you're not a communicator. And so that's a little bit of a disconnect just with me probably. And, and I will tell you that my team for at least two years now has said, can we please focus on larger the larger marketing industry instead of just communications? And I keep saying, but we're communicators. But then we look <laughs> at I look at my team and I am the only one on my team who is a communicator by trade. The only one. Right. Right. What I find interesting is that you just won a big award, for a communications award. So That's right. Let's talk about that because you don't consider yourself <laughs> a communicator, but I mean, it's a pretty big massive award that you just won. Well, Yes. Yeah. Um, it's difficult because, I mean, in, in one sense, yes, I'm I'm hugely grateful to the CIPR for winning this award. But the title of the category was Independent PR Practitioner of the Year. Right. I haven't referred to myself as a PR person <laughs> since I set up independently, which is now five and a half years ago. Wow. That, has it been that long? <laughs> it has I been that was. long, yes. Holy cow. So it's a bit of an odd one, isn't it? Because yeah. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't do what you would consider to be conventional public relations. I don't. Yes, I am. My background is in communication. So I guess my mind works in that way. And, and I, I, I sell myself, you know, to, to people sometimes on, on the fact that I come at, let's say, a, a, a digital advertising brief from a communications mindset, not from an advertising mindset. And they're two very different things. So yes, I do have that background, like you were talking about, of of observing reputations and and that side of things. But no, I don't use the term PR and I haven't used it for a very long time. But technically at the moment, I'm the independent PR practitioner (laughs) of the year in the UK. I was just very surprised to win it because my assumption was genuinely that a more traditional PR person would win that. I entered it to try and get on the shortlist because I thought that'd be great. This is a big award to get on the shortlist. <laughs> I can then say, well, hey, I was shortlisted for, for this. And then you I, won I, it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I had no no expectation of that whatsoever because, because of the title. But uh, yeah, well, you can view it two ways, can't you? You can say, well, that's that's a an example maybe of the industry moving forward where actually the sort of skills that maybe you and I have are what are valued now. Right. Or you can argue traditional PR people aren't up to scratch. <laughs> I, I don't know. You can argue whichever way you like. <laughs> 
Either way, congratulations. I think it's amazing. And you get to tout it for a whole year. So there you go. (laughs) Thank you very much. You're welcome. To speak to Ginny about any of the issues in today's show, check out spinsucks.com. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do leave a review as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.